Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Throughout history, pioneers have paved the way for different ways of life. Lewis, Clark, and Sacagawea led the expedition out west, blazing trails to the unknown frontier. Thomas Edison invented so many of the modern-day items we use, is considered one of the greatest scientists the world has ever seen. And Rosa Parks reminded everyone that she was sick and fucking tired of sitting at the back of the bus every day and decided she was going to do something about it. A true pioneer in the TV world, in today's show subject, Jerry Springer paved the way for a new direction of TV. And depending on who you ask, that direction may have been a great turn in entertainment history, bringing on a new era of TV, or a blinker going off as we merge as a society onto the burning highway to hell. The answer most likely falls somewhere in between, but the effect that Jerry Springer had on talk shows in the TV world was something we hadn't seen before. For me, it was must-see TV. I remember getting home from school, turning on Springer, and waiting for that next cheating skank to tell their partner the bad news and for all hell to break loose. But for those with somewhat of a moral compass, this kind of after-school scuffle-filled shenanigans wasn't going to fly for long. But what was Jerry doing wrong? Was the model he created the launching pad for all of the reality TV stars we have and most likely hate these days? If he's so fucking smart, why is he paying for hookers with a check? Come home from work, do some day drinking, put on an episode of Springer. But first, make sure you check out our version of the Jerry Springer episode of Asshole Court. My wife? Man, this ain't about you, dude. That's my wife. We was having fun. That's it. Fun. Uh, I, fun? Fun. fun? Fun. It's not just having sex with some girl at a bar. That's hey, my wife. Me, That's man. the mother of me. my kids. According to her, man, you ain't nothing. Let me hear it. Ding, ding. Right before we get started on today's show, got to give a shout out to the suggestions. Want to give a big thanks to Ryan, a.k.a. Jubaka90 on Instagram and uh, the Julio 89 on Reddit. Both of us gave the suggestion for Jerry Springer. So uh, there you have it. Thanks, guys. Also, nice. you were only born one year apart. 89 and 90. 90. There yeah. we go. Right. Full on millennials. That's right. There we go. Hell hanging yeah. Out, hanging out with some zennials over That's here. Right. As, uh, Randy's been alluding to us. That's Oregon right. Trail generation. <laughs> as I alluded to the Lewis and Clark Sacagawea. Uh, exactly right. That's why yeah, you did it. Intro read. 
Awesome. So uh, let's get some pre-show scores. I think this will be a fun one today. Buddy, what you got pre-show for Jerry Springer? All right. So pre-show, uh, of course, I know who Jerry Springer is, man. He is uh, he's a legend uh, around here. And I mean, like I vividly remember riding the bus home with Randy, grabbing some Cheez-Its and uh, running up to the TV and watching some Jerry Springer episodes yeah. back in the day for Hell sure. Yeah. You know, for me, Jerry is somebody that... <laughs> He doesn't really seem like he's an asshole. Like, I mean, like, I know he does kind of tailor to this very low brow, low grade audience and uh, puts them on blast. And, you know, like we've gone over a couple of these type of peoples in the past, like sure. the Dr. Phil's, Dr. Oz and stuff like that. But I don't know. I I think for Jerry, there's a, a little bit of like kind of leeway that I give because like this is almost like their platform. These type of people love to get up and want to be the center of attention. Yep. And it's almost like, uh, yeah, it's almost like theater, you know, like for like a circus. Yeah. Like a Jim Rose circus, yeah. almost, if you will. But yeah, no, I, I don't know if because he saw that and is like the leader of that kind of movement right there. Does that make him an asshole or make him savvy for seeing that kind of, right. you know, niche? And I mean, that's probably it? the question, right? That's mm -hmm. probably the question. So, you know, I, I don't really think that that makes him an asshole. And I mean, like he's brought us, you know, countless humorous stuff countless sad stuff i mean i i went back and watched a couple of you know just like highlight clips and i saw uh kung fu hillbilly that shit <laughs> so good it's a great gift too man I throw that into to some text messages from time to time yeah exactly he was going after little wayne who was not little wayne at all but yeah. just used that name and uh yeah of course you know some kung he, he actually learned all of his kung fu from watching chuck norris and john claude van damme movies oh yeah awesome. same as me you yeah. know and of course they ended up fighting over some girl and you know his kung fu was not <sighs> didn't not good not didn't strong. work out huh no damn so i could tell by his form <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was horrible form i don't know kung fu but i know that that was yeah, not yeah, kung yeah. fu um so but no i i i don't think that um it necessarily makes him an asshole, so I don't know anything behind the scenes right now to jump up the score. So I look at our uh, previous people that we've had in the courtroom, and I see Ellen DeGeneres at a 4.25, Oprah Winfrey at a 4.75. So I'm going to split the difference in between the TV talk show hosts right. and give them a 4.5 off the rip. Okay. We'll see where Jerry lands by the end of the show. I like it. 4.5 for Buddy. Mikey, your take on Jerry Springer. Yeah, I the Springer strikes me as an actually a fairly intelligent person. Uh -huh. Like he seems smart, legitimately smart. Yeah. So when he took the show, I think you know, it's it's a lot of people want to point out that, that he was like the one that did all this, but there was so much trash TV like talk shows that were happening at the time. Jenny Jones, Phil Donahue, Oprah really started out doing that yep. too. Yep. Yep. People forget that. It's just that he took it to another level that was more viscerally entertaining with actual fistfights. I remember to me, like, at the time, like, I remember just seeing, like, Oprah and Donahue and stuff like that, Geraldo, and, you know, that looked like, I couldn't really see a lot of the smoke yeah. in between that, but sure. as soon as Jerry came on, I was like, this is the Worldwide Wrestling Federation yep. oh, yeah. of these shows. That's what I'm saying. And, and, yeah. It worked out well for him because, I mean, to be honest, you were talking about, like, did he do this intentionally? Uh, he's an opportunist. I don't think he set out with his game plan, but when it started to work... He just grabbed it by the horns and like rode it for eight seconds. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sure. And it got so big that it was uh, outpacing Oprah. And yeah. that's when she put the kibosh on that shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get into that. Yeah. But at the age, uh, peak 
Springer was probably our junior and senior years in exactly high school. Right. 1998. Yeah. 98, 99, and I very vividly remember uh, going to y'all's houses after school or whatever. And I mean, it was it was absolutely must watch TV. You knew what was going to happen. Yep, of you course. You knew that when that bouquet of flowers came out, that it was getting <laughs> fucking just smashed <laughs> on someone's head. Yep. You and, knew uh, Steve was about to jump up and break oh, yeah. up a fight. You know, and the fights were pretty solid. Oh you yeah. Know? I mean, oh, that's yeah. the thing. It was uh, you knew you knew what you were getting. At utter trash TV, but. At that age, it was uh, delightful. Um, <laughs> you know, do do I think it had a negative effect on society? Uh, I think it was a reflection of society and what we all wanted to see. And <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly a 16, 17-year-old me was horny for that shit. I was like, <laughs> I absolutely want to see fist fighting. I want to see nudity. Fuck it, dude. But as a person, you know, I think he's probably smarter than that. His ethics are questionable. We're going to get into that. I'm going to score him a 5.2 to start. All right, 5.2 for Mikey. Randy, bring us home. All right, so I'll probably claim Throne as biggest Springer fan here on the show. Yeah, uh, yep. I agree with that. I'll have a, I'll 100%. Have a, I'll have a story to tell during the show that I've probably talked about a little bit in the past. But um, you guys hit a lot of great points. Uh, Springer is a super smart dude. Everybody knows he was the mayor of Cincinnati at one point. He's got a law degree from Northwestern. Like, opportunist, when you said that, that is... Uh, I think he knows exactly what he's doing at all times. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but, man, he's fucking cashing checks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's been going on for so long. Like, that's his career. That's And I guess you kind of have to be okay with what you are. Yeah. Because a lot of people do think he like he's the dredge of society and he's what started yeah. a lot of the yeah. downfall of kind of where we're at. But I, you, made, you made a good point, Mike, when you said, I think it's just what America wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Because it damn sure was. And it still is. It's still on reruns every day. And I mean, like that was kind of like right as TV was turning in a sense where it even tags back into Rupert Murdoch and the mm-hmm. Fox network of the 90s when yeah. you're starting to put out like the Simpsons married with children, you know, Jerry Springer during daytime. I, I was thinking about that in the context of like my kids where they like were on Disney, you know, yeah. Disney Channel Junior stuff kind of stuff. And now they're kind of growing up, but it's like stuff on Netflix. That's like now like PG 13. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that big of a cataclysmic shift. Like for us, where we went from like watching Saturday morning cartoons and then all of a sudden we're seeing like wrestling t- type. Titties yeah. flopping, yeah. boy. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Punches thrown. Roses smash. <laughs> the ro- the that shot you talk about when the the guy smashes the guy in the face with the bouquet of roses and then just socks him. Yeah. You're like, this is what I want to well, watch. And that's the thing. They knew exactly what they wanted because then they would have the sound effects. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was fucking hype yeah. game, dude. Ah. Awesome. All right. So uh, my pre-show score, I had him at a 5.1. 5.1 coming in. Just a little bit low Dr. Oz. Right in line with Tila Tequila, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense, right? No, she had an aneurysm. She yeah. would have been much higher <laughs> if she had. <laughs> yeah, much higher. Yeah. All right. With a 4.5 from Buddy, a 5.2 from Mikey, and a 5.1 from Randy, Jerry Springer's pre-show asshole score is a 4.93. All right. 4.93. Interesting territory. Right in between Kid Rock at a 4.9 and the aforementioned Tila Tequila at a 5.1. I want to say we also had another person at 5.1. Mm, I don't think That's so. It's possible. Somebody might have come through in like the last month or two. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in between yeah. Kid Rock and Tila Tequila falls Jerry Springer pre-show. Awesome. All right. You guys ready to fucking take off and do it? I'm ready to do that. Let's do it. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. <laughs> 
Gerald Norman Springer was born February 13th, 1944 in the London subway station of Highgate. It wasn't one of those stories where his mother went into labor, the clumsy father gathers the bag, gets everything ready, and they couldn't quite make it to the hospital before the baby pops out. You see, at the time, London was being bombed to smithereens by the Nazis in World War II. The subway stations were being used as shelters and hospitals. I actually have a pretty cool story that I got to hear firsthand from a relative about London during this time. So my aunt married a man later in life, my Uncle Brian. And Uncle Brian was a legit rocket scientist, and he was from England. My aunt and him retired to Colorado, and Uncle Brian wound up getting cancer and dying. But his 95-year-old mother, who still lived in London, flew over for the funeral. When we were all there, I just walked outside and sat down and started talking to her and asked her kind of what life was like in London back in the day. And I was maybe 17 or 18. And she told me a story about how she and my uncle would walk down the streets in town uh, to go to the market or whatnot, and everybody would leave all their doors open. Yeah. Because you could hear the buzz bombs. That's what they were called. The the bombs that the Germans were dropping were called buzz bombs. And you could hear them about 15 to 20 seconds before they would hit. Yep. And you could hear them coming and literally just run into a door yep. and get on the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah. She said she remembers two times vividly, like literally the streets where they were bombs just blew up right behind them. That's they just insane. ran yeah. inside. Yeah. yeah. Like, ball game. Yeah. It was nuts. And it's not just like, uh, yeah, it's not like London, some rural area. I mean, it's. They were bombing the shit out of one of the like major oh, yeah. cities of the world. They know? fucked up a lot of history. Oh, yeah. A lot of the yeah. churches and shit are over yeah. there. Just and it sucks because you go visit those churches and they're like, yeah, this is kind of restored. Fucking Hitler. Yeah, asshole. we got him back for in Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. We burned that whole city ground. Yeah. So that was an insane story to hear firsthand. So Jerry Springer's mother, her name was Margot. She was a bank clerk, and his father Richard owned a shoe store. One of his father's employees at the shoe store was a young man by the name of Alfred Bundy. Alfred specialized in women's shoe sales, and in a small world turn of events, he too moved to Chicago, Illinois later in life, marrying a redhead and continued to sell women's shoes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Familiar with this man, I believe. Taylor's oldest time. Oh, that's right. yes, Alfred Bundy. Both of Jerry's parents were <laughs> German-Jewish refugees who escaped from Poland while Hitler was trying to take over Europe. His parents made it out, but there were a lot of his family members that did not. His maternal grandmother, who was left behind, died in a gas chamber in Poland. His paternal grandmother died in a hospital in a concentration camp in German-occupied Czechoslovakia. And Jerry's great-uncle, Hermann Echelis, was a renowned Berlin doctor who also died in that same concentration camp with his brother. Dude, I, I didn't realize that he wasn't born in the U.S. Nope. I don't, it shows how much I know about Jerry Springer. Yeah, yeah. he was born literally in the subway in yeah. England. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. it's sad when you hear these stories, and is, there's so many people like this, and they're like, yeah, I lost most of my family in the Holocaust, and then people are like, I don't know, I don't think it really happened that way. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, I know. I was yeah. fucked up, so my aunt's done a lot of genealogy work mm-hmm. and found a bunch of relatives, or a bunch of letters that our relatives had written to each other, like pre-war and post-war. And pretty much the one sister wrote the other sister, yeah, I went back to the town we lived in, yeah. and it was all burned and everybody was dead. Yeah. One of the best books I've ever read, honestly, is like Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a, a guy that was a, a psychiatrist that ended up in death camps or whatever. And it's he talks about how he got through it. He lost his whole family. Hmm. And then like how he mentally got through that or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, if you're in a rough spot, you should read that book or whatever. Yeah, so people take like three days off because their cat died and shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put it into a little bit of perspective. Yeah, but it, yeah. It's all good. Cats are part of your family too. I'm not going to knock you, but... But you just did. 
dogs are a different story altogether. This is true. Yeah. Knowing they needed to get the hell out of Dodge, Jerry's parents packed up and moved to Queens, New York, in the Kew Gardens neighborhood. One of his earliest memories, and one that would begin to shape his life, occurred when he was 12 years old when watching the 1956 Democratic National Convention on TV, where he saw it was impressed by none on a than John F. Kennedy. Oh, I'm oh. going to pull my dick through my underwear hole. <laughs> through my underwear <laughs> hole. Our, my Hanes hole. <laughs> that's, that's our only joke we have for JFK. At least we're not talking about, you know, how he cleared his head or something like that. Right. You just did. I know. Knowing that politics was going to be the route he wanted to take, he decided to major in political science at college. He chose to take his talents to Tulane University, just outside New Orleans, where he graduated with his bachelor's degree. You know, I always get Tulane and Temple mixed up. But A lot of people do. Yeah, yeah very Temple's up in Pennsylvania. That's right, in Philly. Yeah, in Philly, yeah, exactly. And Tulane is in a weird spot because it is right outside New Orleans. Yeah. So when you go down to like Mardi Gras and shit, Tulane's not far. Mm-hmm. It's in a real swampy, weird area. Yeah, it's the whole state of Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially that spot it's, right uh, there. And that, then right and next that. to Tulane is another, I think it's St. Bonaventure. Sounds not, right. Or that's somebody's gonna get on Tell me for it. Can't remember. There's another school right next to it. Yeah, and a pretty nice golf course from what I remember across the street. Okay, but that's the things I remember. So he took that big old brain back up north and went to law school at Northwestern University and graduated in 1968 with his law degree. That's a shit school, Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm just laughs> yeah totally. Shortly after graduation, he got a sweet gig working as a campaign advisor to Robert F. Kennedy, brother. Of John F. Kennedy. Bobby. This was going to be a great stepping stone for him, but of course that was cut short when Kennedy was gunned down by Sirhan Sirhan after winning the California primary. That's right. You know? And I actually did some reading about that whole assassination because you go down yeah. the rabbit holes as you start you know, researching these shows. That was an interesting yeah. deal. That guy was like a real up-and-comer. Like, Oh, Bobby was yeah, uh, they had a game-changer. Sli- yeah, they it had was an absolute slated. game-changer. I mean, if he... Uh, if he hadn't died in 68, I think he wins the election. You don't have uh, Richard Nixon. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, wow. Well, that ain't how it worked. So with his new boss now dead, he needed to go find a job. And with his resume, it wasn't too hard. Springer joined a law firm where he became a partner in the law firm of Grinker, Sudman, and Springer. But his true aspirations were still to hold political office. He ran unsuccessfully in 1970 for Congress, but he was elected to the Cincinnati City Council in 1971. Things were going well. But in 1974, old Jerry ran into some hot water. It started on April 29th, the Monday. Popular political columnist Frank Weichel reported the Inquirer's front page that a Cincinnati politico was involved in a two-state vice probe. Springer went unnamed, but prostitution was mentioned. Later that day, in an abrupt move that shook Cincinnati's political community, Springer resigned. The Inquirer still referred to the then-councilman as Gerald. The 30-year-old had just married a year earlier. In his resignation, he cited very personal family considerations, but did not mention the probe. Mm-hmm. Springer did wind up holding a news conference alluding to the prostitution investigating in a health club in Fort Wright, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. He was described as red-eyed and shaken. He said, when I resigned, I did so. I believed then, as I believe now, that there are some problems which are better faced as a private citizen, Springer said. That sounds very Jerry Springer answer, yeah. yeah. doesn't it? Also, I, I'm uh, still just kind of blown away that he's just kind of like, all right, uh, press conference. Where are we going to do this? Uh, let's we could do go to my, the, let's go do to my office. Do you want to do it outside the sauna? In a park? Yeah. In a park? The no, YMCA? No. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a good idea. The Four Seasons land, <laughs> yeah. la- landscaping place. 
Oh, uh, one of the greatest fucking yeah. moments in American yeah. political history. The Four Seasons fucking interview. Or the, the press conference. Uh, it was good shit. Then the whole story came out when Springer voluntarily testified in court in Kentucky. He said his conscience drove him to contact the FBI after he paid for prostitutes with two personal checks in December of 1973 and January of 1974. He's like, can I write it for over and you can give me about five bucks back? <laughs> Get cash back? That's it. Remember that all that happened when Springer was just a councilman. In 1975, Springer made one of the biggest political comebacks in Cincinnati history, winning back his seat on the council. His sincere and direct television ads directly addressing his downfalls helped win over the public and played an important part in several of his wins. In 1977, he was chosen to serve one year as mayor by the city council. Springer could only serve one year as mayor due to the political arrangement at the time. So 77 to 78, Jerry Springer was the mayor of Cincinnati. He said, friends, I want to talk to you sometimes. And we've all been there. You get extra horny <laughs> and you no have, matter how married you are and you don't have cash on you the banks are closed and it's 1970 yeah, something and, and there's no right. ATMs. banking hours are not uh, you know conducive to hookers, conducive to hookers. <laughs> and if you're uh, not getting paid till monday just post date the check that's it who would have ever figured out that uh the services rendered would be figured <laughs> would be resolved in the bottom left corner of the check what that service oh that's right i actually wrote blowjob on there not services rendered and it wasn't even good it was a mediocre blowjob yeah. i think is what i put yeah, yeah it ruined my life she used her teeth <laughs> and it still ruined my life not worth it the second one though yeah you know that was worth it that was not worth it either <laughs> yeah. but slightly better six out of ten that's it. tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes do you want to say in the next show's subject or the next conspiracy we discuss well now you can Go to patreon.com and find us at AHC Podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want, get some input on who you want to hear about, and become internet famous with a shout-out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends, and you'll get all our new Conspiracy Court episodes. Go to patreon.com today and find us at AHC Podcast. Springer then went big time and ran for governor of Ohio in 1982. In one of his main ad campaigns, he acknowledges that he once paid for services of a prostitute. In the commercial, the former mayor of Cincinnati sits before the camera and says, Nine years ago, I spent time with a woman I shouldn't have, and I paid her with a check. I wish I hadn't done that. And the truth is, I wish no one would ever know. But in the rough world of politics, opponents are not about to let personal embarrassments lay to rest. The incident was obviously a topic throughout the campaign, and Mr. Springer says he decided to make the confession about the prostitute because of inaccurate information from a poll released from his opponent. One question in the poll indicated that Mr. Springer had been arrested on a morals charge with three women in a motel room and that he'd used a bad check to pay for their services. <laughs> a bad check <laughs> and, too, huh? And then later resigned as mayor. Uh, he said, Jerry Springer had three women in a motel six, wrote a bad check, and got pegged by all of them. All of them. <laughs> Three said, bad checks. Now, my friends, I want to address that specifically. <laughs> While it is true that I did write a check, it was not bad. The blowjob was bad. Look, Mr. Springer says that he was not arrested, that there were not three women in the room, and the check certainly did not bounce. He added that he was not mayor at the time of that incident either. 
Moss Murphy, Mr. Springer's press secretary at the time, said the response to the advertisement was overwhelming, with the number of people wanting to work in the campaign increasing fivefold since the ad was shown. Hell yeah, we love Johns! <laughs> we love them! They're the best ever. There's nothing wrong with that. We've all done that. Fuck yeah, Jerry. Bobby, pay for the hook. Yeah, check. yeah, fuck it. You know, was it his, what is it his check or was it like his mom's check? Ah, uh, Gerald. Fuck, bro. <laughs> you wrote your own name on it, man. We're going to call you John Springer. In <laughs> a shocker, he failed to win the Democratic Party's nomination, finishing a distant third behind former Lieutenant Governor Richard Celeste and Ohio Attorney General William J. Brown. Dick and Celeste. <laughs> Dick Celeste. <laughs> John Springer versus Dick Celeste. Who you gonna choose? The guy that paid with cash or a check? <laughs> the Pega. <laughs> Pega John. She's got like a backup option with that name. Yeah, you, you say know. whatever you want. It's not gay. You ever get your fucking prostate massage? Fucking blow low to the ceiling. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm comfortable with my sexuality. I'm fucking coming like I'm 18 again. <laughs> fucking crazy. She massaged my prostate and I blew a hair back. It was wild. Oh, man. All right. So uh, at that point, Jerry's political career was put on hold after he lost. He was hired on as a political reporter and commentator on Cincinnati's NBC affiliate, which at the time had the lowest rated news program. In the country? Uh, in the market. Okay. Yep. Later, having been named primary news anchor and managing editor, he needed a broadcast catchphrase in the model of other great newsmen. With the help of some others at the station, he created his signature line, take care of yourself and each other. Ah, that sounds... Sort of like what we say, sort of. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I, I did. I think the very first episode, I just True. said something. Yeah, yeah. And then I out. kept saying it. Yeah. yeah. Good night and good luck. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yes. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Blow her hair back. <laughs> Get your prostate sauge and blow her hair back, folks. Good night. Within two years, he was Cincinnati's number one news anchor, along with partner Norma Rashid. For five years, he was the most popular in the city, garnering 10 local Emmy Awards for his nightly commentaries, which were frequently satirized by Cincinnati radio personality Gary Burbank. Those commentaries would eventually become his final thought on the Jerry Springer show. Springer would remain commentator at WLWT until January of 1983. In 1987, the Chicago-based NBC-owned station WMAQ-TV hired Springer to serve as a news commentator. However, this proved to be unpopular among viewers as it resulted in the resignation of longtime news anchors Ron Majors and Carol Marin. After performing only two commentaries, Springer resigned as a commentator. Hmm. But his move to Chicago would spurn his next opportunity, and one that would put him on the pop icon map. Springer was tapped to be the host of a new show developed by WLWT, to mimic the format and look unfu unfuckable. <laughs> unfuckable. That's why he had to pay to get his prostate massaged. With them bad chicks. That's right. Springer was tapped to be the host of a new show developed by WLWT to mimic the format and look of fellow talk show, The Phil Donahue Show. All the way down to Jerry's haircut and glasses, making him look like Phil Donahue. God, that's... I mean, just like, Weird. it doesn't, yeah, you don't have to do that, you know? They did. 
The Maybe gym. copy the format. They're like, oh, we're going to give you a, a facelift to make you look you like Phil like Donahue. It's going to be like face off. Yeah. For, uh, yeah. But talk they, show. they fuck up and they end up looking like Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> the Jerry Springer show debuted on September 30th, 1991. Started as a politically oriented talk show, a longer version of Springer's commentaries. Guests included Oliver North and Jesse Jackson. Holy shit. And topics included homelessness and gun politics. See? Oh, interesting. He, he tried hard. Yeah, this new show was getting really shitty ratings. Yeah. In early 1994, Springer and his new producer, Richard Dominic, revamped the show's format in order to try to garner more viewers. The show became more successful as it became targeted toward tabloidish sensationalism. You see, that's the thing, Jerry. If you just taken our note here of doing serious topics and then talking about prostate massaging <laughs> and shit like that you know you bridge the gap you That's get both of what you want you can talk about Rupert Murdoch or whatever but then you also blow just talk about back. nasty stuff yeah it's a winning format guests were everyday people confronted on a television stage by a spouse or family members adultery homosexuality prostitution hate group membership or other controversial situation these confrontations were often prompted or scripted shouting or violence on stage. You can almost single-handedly coin the phrase trash TV with the Springer show. But once the switch was made and there were fist fights and just pure chaos, it became must-see TV. So I want to say here, I think that the pivot point for this type of television falls on one single episode of Geraldo. Geraldo Rivera, that's right. When the Nazis broke his nose yeah. with a chair. That's oh, right. yeah. That shit was so hype. Yep. And I've talked about this in the show before, but I remember my mom being like, we have to get home to see this. Yeah. We have to get home to see Geraldo get his nose broken by a Nazi. Like, I remember you talking about the commercial hype leading up to oh, this as was, well. Yeah, you were just dying to see... A full-on fist fight between white this supremacists. This was before the internet. 88. Yeah, was this 88. was before you saw, like, fights in public yes, on TV. Yeah. Like, and it was such a ratings stuff. garner that yeah. it made Geraldo. And I think that, yeah, I mean, you're just cribbing off of, uh, uh, of a playbook that works. And so, like I said, Trash TV, in my mind, starts with a Nazi breaking Geraldo's nose. <laughs> it could have been the catalyst. And it may be difficult for anyone under the age of 40 to fathom, but there was a time when certain things just weren't discussed on television or anywhere else for that matter. But Jerry Springer broke those norms with topics of shows like I slept with 251 men in 10 hours oh or God. I'm pregnant by my brother. God. Oh, brawless brawlers. Which is, I think the brother is worse with the 251 and one out in 10, 10. In 10 hours is I mean, that's up there, too, yeah. but, that's I mean... It just seems really painful or something. Uh, gross. Be, yeah. That's just gross. Uh, not trying to slut shame, in one hour? Ten hours. Oh, ten, ten hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. Even still, like... Are there episodes? What's the math on that? 25 an hour? Yeah, 25.1 well, an hour. What's two... two so that's four minutes a dude. Yeah. Less than. Yeah, some variability in there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, 25 an hour, so yeah, that's like Let's two do the minutes. Math. Yeah, 250, two, two, 251 divided by 10. 251 divided by... That's 25. Yeah, 25. And then 25 divided by 60 yeah. is 2 point something. Think about two minutes with it. Sounds about right. Two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's the math. All right, so, so it, all, it does all add up. Good. Other oh, one guy's got a long stroke now. He's taking a full hour. Yeah, so really uh, is number one hundred and forty-seven. Yeah, right. The median time here. Uh, other episodes included: I married a horse, uh, adult babies, grown men who dress in pajamas and stay in a baby crib. I'm happy I cut off my legs. The man who cut off his own penis. 
a pimp who thought he was the Pope, and a man who wants his leg back from his mistress. <laughs> yeah. However, yeah. that's like Rocket <laughs> off of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's always trying to steal like somebody's eye or like a yeah. fake leg or something <laughs> like that. He went from trying to have like Jesse Jackson, like legitimate like presidential candidates and stuff <laughs> like that on to having somebody, a big grown man in a diaper shit in himself. I, he had to be dead inside a little bit, I think. And I think he is. Oh, a little bit. But is it like, maybe that was just singing to him a little bit too, like just to well, do he, something completely different. He did write a, a bad check to get pegged by three <laughs> prostitutes. But I mean, he, he was the partner in a law firm and the mayor of Cincinnati yeah. having a, like a shitty daytime TV talk show. He knew it was a little below him, but again, it pays he kind well. of, it pays well. And you know what? Like, what else is he going to do? I don't know. Have he, integrity? <laughs> <laughs> However, his show was not met with all positive reviews. One article I read described the show at the time like this. The Jerry Springer show is unrepentantly vicious. It's dedicated to strife and misery, to the principles that human frailty should be ridiculed, that the weak and that the stupid should be humiliated, and that there is no better cure for your problems than the sorrows of others. On Springer's show, men learn their girlfriends are actually boys. Wives learn their husbands are sleeping with their sisters or ex-wives or both. Women learn that their 13-year-old daughters are strippers or their 60-year-old mothers are whores. Fat people are poked and prodded and berated. Springer is an endless parade of losers, perverts, and exhibitionists. Oh, get off your high horse, Connie <laughs> Chung. <laughs> Nobody cares. Your husband's going to do it later with the Maury Povich. Oh, I was show. about to say, you know who Connie Chung's husband yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know who wrote that, but also it seems insane and exaggeration your 13 year old daughter's a stripper that's <laughs> fucking illegal <laughs> and nowadays with instagram i did i can only imagine what happens like yeah i'm not on there i'm only on there I, to talk shit to you guys that's right each episode of jerry springer began with springer entering the stage being greeted by a standing audience pumping their fists in the air with the right hand chanting jerry 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 Beginning in the 2000s, Springer arrived on stage sliding down the stripper pole. He then shook hands with some audience members before introducing the episode's topic and guests. Once all the guests had told their stories, there was usually a question and answer segment where audience members asked questions. In these earlier sessions, the questions tended to be serious. However, these questions gave way to insults as the show progressed. Of course, that Man, was the best. That was the best. When it hey, was hey, you right there, skinny bitch. Yeah. Yo, you fucking took your food away, bitch. You look ugly and skinny, bitch. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. I'll fight you right yeah, here. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, oh yeah. I'll show you my titties, man. And we were all like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> See, that was the part that I didn't like so much. I oh. like, you know, like when it started getting into like the insult part from the crowd into the people sitting there. You were uh, okay with the, uh, the, the tiny people in diapers fist fighting each other. But <laughs> once an audience member commented on their looks, then you were like, I'm that's out. when Buddy tapped out. He I'm said, out. no, no, no. I'm done, guys. I'm done. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Throughout the show, some women in the audience would sometimes flash their breasts in exchange for Jerry beads, Mardi Gras-style beads with the show logo. In later, in, later season, in later seasons, serious questions were typically mocked by the crowd with the chance of, go to Oprah. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah. 
pretty good. Springer then ended the show by giving a formal lecture, sitting by himself on the stage, on the principles of refined values in regards to the featured guests. Yeah, it was uh, an odd ending. Because sometimes there were very poignant uh, discussions he had. That's exactly right. But they all uh, sort of stemmed from, again, tiny people fist fighting over a, an affair <laughs> and, 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 and fighting in a giant pool of chocolate pudding. Yes. Springer's final thought segment ended with the concluding statement, till next time, take care of yourselves and each other, which was his sign-off during his days as the newscaster in Cincinnati. In his prime, Springer appeared in an episode of Married with Children as the host of a talk show called The Masculine Feminist, in which he advocated for women getting the men's bowling night and eventually taking over at a bowling alley. Oh, okay. man. And that was... Uh, it's a late season Married with Children then. But, man, the bowling league was everything to Jerry, Al Bundy. Jerry Springer's father's former employee, Al Bundy and his friends, Ty Springer to a chair to take over his show with a stripper who jumps up and down for the crowd's delight. Yeah, man. that sounds about right. Yeah, so you remember Al Bundy and this uh, Mary Tone had no ma'am. No I do ma'am. remember no ma'am. What was it? What did the, the, the acronym stand for? I don't remember. Uh, Basically, like no ma'am, <laughs> <laughs> no women or something like that. I don't know. No ma'am was the National Organization of Men Against Amazonian Masterhood. Oh, I don't right. even understand that. <laughs> Interesting. All right. All right. Well, that was no ma'am. So he hate, they hated Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, I got uh, Al Bundy tied in full circle there for us. There you go. Albert Bundy. That's oh. right. Alfred Bundy. Alfred Bundy. That's yeah, what I, I, I named him. And actually, I, I think No Man was made because of that particular episode right there. Oh. Really? It was an anti-feminist group founded by Al Bundy in response to women's bowling night replacing the men's. That's him. And the nudie bar being turned into a women's coffee house. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. So if you've listened to the show, you do know that I am a fan of trash TV. And if I get the chance to watch daytime TV, I'm definitely watching Maury, Jerry Springer, some sort of Are You the Father show. So a friend and I made the decision to make the trek to Chicago from Atlanta to see a taping of the Jerry Springer show live. That's right. Nice. Doing my homework before we left. It's a first come first serve setup in terms of getting tickets. Pretty much said get here early, show up and you should get in. So we drove to Chicago, caught a Cubs game at Wrigley Field that Sunday night, and then showed up bright and early to NBC building in Chicago on April 10th, 2006. Oh, you remember the date and everything, huh? Oh, wow. And I, this, well, I don't know if this makes me weird or what, but the Cubs game we went to, I remember the Cubs catcher Michael Barrett hit a grand slam in like the eighth inning, late in the game, and the Cubs wound up winning. And I found the Cubs schedule that game. I knew it was in April. I found the night of that. I found the box score, found the game in April. That's not not a weird, that's a timestamp. I do that shit all the time. Okay. So I'm not terribly odd then. Makes me feel better. Mm. Fucking weirdo. I know you are, but that doesn't make you weird. (laughs) That's not what it is. Uh, I'll take that. There was already a line for me, but we were probably 30th or 40th in line. The group of people behind us were an absolute fucking trip. It was three young black lesbians that were just fucking hilarious. We just sat and cut up with them for like two or three hours before they actually came out and started to form us in lines and walk us inside. They numbered us off and we went into a room with about 75 people in it. From what I could tell, they filmed two shows in one day. So we sat in the green room for probably another two hours before they finally came in and told us we were getting ready to go out. And I remember I was fucking amped. I bet. Yeah. All the anticipation oh, leading yeah. up to that point. They filled us into the studio. And the I Cubs remember, game and trash TV oh, recording. Oh, yeah. my God. This dude, is just like your heaven. Randy's on fucking cloud 50 at this point. Great, dude. So uh, once you get inside the studio, 
Uh, I remember it being a lot smaller than it seemed on TV. Yeah. It's not. It didn't seem near as big. That's what everybody says about everything TV wise. Yeah. Like the the sets are much smaller than you think they would yeah. be yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, it's true. It, it feels like it's a. I, we did late late show with Craig Kilborn one time, and I remember it felt smaller than our middle school fucking theater. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. way smaller. What? Yeah, yeah. I remember going to a wrestling event when I was like seven. TBS, Ted Turner, and like only seeing it from TV, you thought it was huge. Yeah, but those kind of like Saturday morning yeah. shows, like you get there, there's like sixty people there. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. It's like you know? ten rows deep of ten people around. Yeah, yeah hundred you know? people. Yeah. So if you're facing the crowd from the stage, we were on the left hand side, about two thirds of the way up. So once everybody filled in, Steve Wilkos, yep, that's Steve Wilkos. Steve. Steve. Came out and pretty much told the audience that we needed to boo when he says to, cheers when he tells to, chant when he does, and pretty much just follow his lead. How would he signal that? Literally start doing it. Oh, he would do it. So, okay. Yeah, you'll see. So as you're seeing the stage, he's So the first time you hear Jerry, Jerry is always it's it's Steve. Always, yeah, it's one of, it's starting the... Yeah. Fascinating. Yep. Or he's like coming out like with a thumbs down. So yeah, or somebody... Yeah, it's a, it's a scripted type deal. So, sure. Uh, I'll be honest, the show lost a bit of its luster for me that day. Once the action started, it was like watching a play. Yeah. Everything was super scripted and staged, but uh, goddamn, it was fun. That's what I was talking about in my intro, where it's just basically like theater. Yeah. Like, you know. The the premise of the show that I went to was that the guy had cheated on his girlfriend, and to apologize, he hired a singing Cupid that would come to his girlfriend's house and sing her a poem to apologize. Well, as you can imagine... She invited the Cupid inside, and he wound up making sweet, sweet love to the guy's girlfriend. She decided to bring her boyfriend on, <laughs> on the show. On paper, that sounds like horseshit. <laughs> yeah. She decided to bring her boyfriend onto the show to tell him about it. So when the Cupid came out, he was wearing a toga and giant Cupid wings. So after the girlfriend told the boyfriend that the Cupid shot his arrow in her, they got into a fight, and <laughs> 10 seconds later... There was a naked dude running around the stage with nothing but a set of Cupid wings on. This guy literally ran around butt naked on the stage for about. Was 50. he a tiny little guy? No, he was kind of. He's probably two hundred pounds. Oh my god! Chubby, wow. And you're flying around. Oh with yeah. With just the wings on. He had the like almost like the Victoria's Secret wings. Okay. But yeah, did you ever uh, see this episode air? Yeah, yeah. So oh, they wow. cut they cut all that out. Yeah, they uh, showed yeah, the dong. Cut all of it out. Yeah. How 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 was the dong, by the way, on that man? Um. It was kind of far away. And <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make would, my gun. Would you have second. invited I mean, him into the you, house? You know what you were seeing, but it was like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? Well, I was, right it now? was kind of veiny. He was kind of impressed. <laughs> he obviously had Completely good circulation. hairless. Yeah. But I just remember, like, you're well in there, groomed. and yeah, they, they fought the naked guy, and the Cupid spoke in prose the whole time so uh-huh. everything he oh, talked p- was in poem. Okay. So <laughs> everything rhymed. I was so. going to say, not to, this is where I. Prose is the opposite of poetry, but I just sorry. Well, everything you said, Ron. Yeah, yeah, Where the fuck I, that I, is, Mike? Right. I know, sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you out. Anyway, so it was uh, it was like a whirlwind, though. So you get in there, the shit films, the Q and A starts. You're cheering, you're like laughing it, and then it's over, and you're out, and you're like, what the yeah. fuck just happened? Yeah. So the naked guy fought the other guy in the, front of you. The boyfriend, yeah, tried to beat the cupid up, and he ripped his clothes, his toga off, <laughs> and the guy was running around naked trying to get away from the boyfriend with his yeah. wings on. It's just like the kung fu hillbilly, yeah. but just you know, yeah, just yeah. swapped around a little bit. Yep. I don't, I don't know. It's uh, it's almost more interesting that it's so fake. That guy, yeah. that guy got paid probably nothing to be naked and get torn up. Man, so I, re- I think they probably get paid like, so I thought it was like not something much. like 50 or 100 bucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> not much. And it was early in my professional career. And I remember I had very limited time off. 
and I had to like make it back to work. I yes. want to say that next day, that Tuesday, like or something. Tuesday. And the the <laughs> the joke with me and my buddy was like. Yeah, I drove us home, but I slept through the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Because, like, it was just, I would hit those, the bumps on the side of the road. Like, I, it was not good. And I did wind up pulling over at some point. He, we woke up, and he's like, where the fuck are we? I was like, dude, I had to pull over and sleep for a second. But, yeah, yeah I still had to call in the next day. I think I don't think I made it back. No, you did. I made it back, but not in time for work, mm, I don't okay. think. Yeah. Quick, before your boss walks by and you have to minimize your screen, give us a quick follow on Twitter and Instagram and give us a like on Facebook. Your support is much appreciated. Now, back to the action. At the height of the show around 1998, the Jerry Springer Show supplanted Oprah in the top spot in the nationwide talk show ratings. Springer was watched by nearly 12 million Americans every day, and I totally remember getting home from school and turning it on every day at 4 p.m. In the late 90s, the show was so popular and controversial, it caused contemporaries like Jenny Jones, Maury Povich, Montel Williams, and Ricky Lake to revamp their own shows in order to improve ratings. However, major figures in television, along with many religious leaders, had called for the show's removal and considered it to be of bad taste. The phrase, Jerry Springer Nation, began to be used by some who see the program as being a bad influence on the morality of the United States. The show ran for an astounding 27 seasons and nearly 5,000 episodes. Wow. 5,000 episodes. Yeah, and it's, at that time, too, you could sort of like, they you had these uh, like moral zealots that were like trying to contain this, and then yep. the internet happened. Yeah. <laughs> then the internet really blew up, and you're like, this is fucking a passe, bro. It's, it's really pretty tame. And you have all the people that are supporting this, like, you know, like moral righteousness. Or a lot of them are the politicians. Who are actually doing a lot of the stuff that are it's being showed on the Springer show, oh, of course, yeah. behind closed doors and stuff like that. So it's all just so hypocritical yeah. and stuff. It like is, that. hey, but it it, uh, it works well for them, and it also worked well for people like Oprah that yep. that shut him down. Yeah, but it didn't go twenty seven seasons without some national and international controversy. In two thousand, Springer was given a five year, thirty million dollar contract extension, paying him six million a year. The same year, a married couple. Ralph and Eleanor Panitz were guests on an episode of the show entitled Secret Mistresses Confronted with Mr. Panitz's ex-wife, Nancy Campbell Panitz, in which they complained about Miss Campbell Panitz's behavior and accused her of stalking them. So the couple was accusing his ex-wife of stalking them. Okay, I'm glad you okay. clarified because that was a Thank little... You. Yeah, yeah, she was... hyphenated her last name again like a bitch, but uh, <laughs> kind of hard to follow in that little section there. Sorry, all you hyphenated last namers. That's at Randy at AHC Podcast. <laughs> Hours after it was broadcast on July 24, 2000, Miss Campbell Panitz was found dead in a home that the three were fighting over. Yeah. And Florida police soon confirmed that they were treating the death as a homicide. It was reported that Mr. Panitz, having been issued a first-degree murder warrant for the death, was trying to flee to Canada to avoid prosecution. Oh, Good luck with that. Wow. <laughs> Talk about the country with the hardest extradition policy ever. <laughs> what a fucking idiot, dude. Canada? Yeah, you need to go to like fucking Nairobi like or some shit. If I had just made it to Montreal. Yeah, dude. You gotta go to like Mozambique, man. You gotta get the fuck out of here. Upon news of the 52-year-old woman's murder, a spokeswoman for the program issued a statement saying that it was a terrible tragedy. In August of 2000, Springer appeared on CNN's Larry King Live to discuss the incident claiming that it had nothing to do with the show and that his talk show does not glamorize deviant behavior. I guess. 
<laughs> that's uh, utter horseshit. Yeah. On March 27th, 2002, after a 10-day trial and 18 hours of deliberation from jurors, Mr. Panitz was convicted of the murder and sentenced to life in prison. So some of the folks that went on his show are in prison for killing each other. Well, but Jenny like, Jones. Yeah, that had definitely happened. And, like, was this tied directly to the episode, or... It was hours after the show aired. Oh, ew. Yeah. Like, yeah, it wasn't after they filmed it. It was after it had actually aired. It doesn't help at all, but at the same time, like, yeah, I don't know. It's not... It, I feel like the Jenny Jones episode is more, like, indicative of a particular... Yeah, that was fucked because up. Because that one was, like, caused an embarrassment for a man on national television that forced him... It didn't force him, but it, it sort of projected him into a murder whereas this one is like they sound really fucked up anyways but i don't know yeah i don't know in 2001 efforts by groups like the parents television council and the american family association (laughs) (laughs) forced some advertisers to decrease or to stop their sponsorship of jerry springer in the united kingdom the independent television commission banned springer and other tabloid talk programs from being shown on television during daytime hours on school holidays in response to numerous parental complaints and concerns about children's potential exposure to the salacious content. In 2005, the program became a subject of criticism in Bernard Goldberg's book, 100 People Who Are Screwing Up America, being called TV's lowest life form, and Springer himself being ranked at 32 and labeled an American pioneer. Hey, that's what I called him. That's right. intro read. That's right. Hey. Goldberg also claimed that Springer was knowingly capitalizing on the disadvantages of his guests and the stupidity of his audience. And that's been a big kind of assertion and claim as to why his score may go up, in my opinion. Right? That's true. Is that he does kind of capitalize on the disadvantages and stupidity of his audience, to quote that guy. Yes. Yeah, but don't they know what they're signing up for? When well, they sign up for it. I mean, uh, do they really think they're going to come and find a lot of clear, man, clarity? You, and you, you brought up a good point, though, buddy. A lot of the people on the show, they love to get up there and show their ass. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, they exactly. The, like, just, and you see them act so fucking stupid, and you're like, why are you acting like yeah. a maniac? <clears throat> they think it's, like, okay, or what? It's just this weird fucking well, some social people are attention, uh, are, are, like, attention-seeking, and that's why social media is big Yeah, now. 100%. Yeah. Like, and this was like that. This was social media before yeah. there was social media. These people are looking for an outlet in a sense. And, you know, like if they don't understand the ramifications of the stuff that's going to happen to them on yeah. the backside, I don't squarely put that on Jerry's shoulders in a sense. Like, you know what you're watching, you know yeah. what you're getting. Yeah. My cousin told me that he had gotten a request. Like, I don't know, he had a bad relationship and. It hit him up to go on Jerry Springer, and he was like, are you fucking crazy? There's no fucking way I would do this, ever. Because that's not yeah. the type yeah. of person he is, but some people love that shit. Yeah, also, 100%. Bernard Goldberg, fuck off. I want to write a book about 100 people that are ruining America, too. I could do it in the next two weeks. Yeah. And also, like, why does anybody care about my opinion, man? <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure Jerry Springer was there, Al Bundy was there, Homer Simpson was there. Well, two of those aren't real people. <laughs> Blockbuster buddy. <laughs> I'm saying those are the kill. people that they were coming after. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying. But all good things must come to an end. On July 26, 2018, the final episode of the Jerry Springer show was aired. But thanks to the good folks at the CW Network, reruns can be seen almost daily. Jerry didn't have to stand in the unemployment line too long as he launched a new show, Judge Jerry, which began airing in September of 2019. The goal was to have Jerry use more of his law background and to have a little more of a grown-up feel. 
It was a very run-of-the-mill Judge show, and it lasted three seasons until March of uh, 22. Yeah. I, okay. I, was, I watched Judge Jerry. It was I know lame. you did. There's no way you didn't. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was lame. It was. I'm all in that he's seen at least five episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably all three seasons. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe not all that, but it, it was very average, right? Yeah. yeah. When it comes to the Judge shows, there's a couple that I like. My newest favorite is called The Hot Bench. Oh, and it's three judges and they come up and the two, the plaintiff and the defendant make their case and the three judges hear it and I'll ask a couple questions and they go back in the back, talk about it, make a decision and they come out and fire the cases off. Okay. Yeah. See, my dad's all about Judge Judy and he's getting my kids into it. And I'm like, man, this is a gateway judge show. Like, you know, I'm not 100 <laughs> percent in it's on all, this. It's all bad. I don't know. Uh, teach their own. Yeah. I don't. They're all the same shit. Yeah. There, there's one. Um, I think it's not like high dollar court, but it's something like high claims court. Yeah, and they're serving up like two million dollar judgments and shit. That I would think, be more interesting. I think they're already determined, and they're just like, like reenacting, reenacting the trial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah show up in sucks. like neck braces and broken <laughs> arms. I like this one guy was at like a like a water park, right? Yeah, and slid through the end of the ride onto the concrete and like yeah. fucked himself Ooh. all up. Ooh. Yeah. Two something million dollars. Yeah. The only judge show I'm watching is Judge Dredd, where he actually kills the <laughs> defendant that loses. <laughs> uh, that's great. But the lasting legacy of the Jerry Springer show and its host will forever live on. And one article I read where you could definitely tell the author wasn't his biggest fan read like this. The fact is we will never completely heal from the scars that Springer wrought because his disciples, descendants, and imitators are still around to reopen the wounds. And then there's Jerry himself, who continues to do his thing, even if it's not in front of the camera. Case in point, Springer's recent visit to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where he emceed a micro-wrestling match at the fair. Micro-wrestling is the PC name for what used to be known as midget wrestling. As long as it's all taken into fun and people enjoy it, that's cool with me, Springer told the journal. Yes, sir. There's nothing more fun and wholesome than a bunch of big people watching little people being tossed around. Maybe next year, Jerry will referee about between an adult baby and the mistress who stole her boyfriend's leg. The three of them will deserve each other. And to yeah. that, I say fuck off. Mm -hmm. Jerry, I appreciate the laughs over the years. And that, boys, is Jerry Springer. Yeah, I got it. Uh, man, ruining it for everybody. That's how you get the... The term woke being a pejorative asshole. <laughs> like just just chill out. Like you're like really taking this way too dramatically, man. Like you're talking about opening the wounds and stuff like that. Like, no, you're just opening a beer and uh it's, it's I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's it's a fucked up situation, man. I don't know, but just chill the fuck out. Everybody yeah. just chill the fuck out. God damn. Seriously. Like, like this stuff wasn't coming along without Jerry Springer anyways. Like, come on. I was 100% there. He rode the fucking wave. I mean? yeah. He rode the wave. Yeah. He tried to do a political talk show that had fucking Jesse Jackson and Oliver North. Shit didn't work out. A He's reflection like, on what America really wants, which, hey, maybe we're all fucked up. How about that? How about we're all fucked up? Yeah. And we want to see fucking people fucking fight. People fight. Yeah. Cool. We want to see yeah. flowers get crushed over people's heads. Yeah. We want to see like punches thrown. It, it, what would happen if a dude who got introduced to the guy who fucked his yeah. wife, what would that look like? And, and They did it. They brought it to us, and it was live, and that does shit it, was crazy. Does it make it okay? No. I think we really need to fucking, it. we need to like probably internalize some shit and, and try to be better, but we're not. Yeah. Okay, but that actually, that concept right there brought along one of my favorite shows of that era, and that is Cheaters. Oh, like the way yeah. that they would just Joey come Greco. Joey, Joey Greco. Greco. And man, the late fucking great Clark Gable the Third. 
Yeah, P. Clark Gable. He was in there for a season or two. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and like two seasons of Cheaters. Yep. Yeah, man. The best but thing that ever happened was when Joey Greco got stabbed. stabbed on the boat. <laughs> yeah, because he was a fucking asshole. He was like worse than everybody on that show. Oh, he man. He was a douche. snake. He was a fucking snake. He was snake. a fucking douche. So we yeah. have footage. Do you want to watch this? Yeah. That's his penis inserting in her yeah. vagina. Here's again, the, it's always the same again. shit, too. Here's him leaving her apartment. <laughs> They're kissing. You see this? Now they're at a restaurant. They're at a TGI Fridays. <laughs> I know this video is really shitty and grainy. Yeah. yeah. But you know what's happening. You knew the whole time anyways. Now you just want to be on fucking TV. But then with the the confrontation, do 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 Yeah. yeah. show up and like, oh, man, you can tell the people at the restaurant just like, cheaters! Yeah. Cheaters! <laughs> well, it's like, if you could see the actual production part of that, the same way you saw Jerry Springer, Oh, that's just probably set up to you. Yeah. It's all fucking fake. Yeah. It's not fake, fake, but Aww. they're probably... Yeah, but that the guy's sitting there at, like, hopes at right like there. the Mexican restaurant eating like chips and salsa with yeah. his mistress, and it gets walked up on. Like that moment, <laughs> it feels real. They're like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Oops. Whoops. Wait a second. It'd be better if they're like, now they're in a public park bathroom. <laughs> and they've gone in there. No, wait a second. They're actually not cheating. He's actually just peeing in a cup for his friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That took a turn. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep cut. Yeah. All right, so let's get some final thoughts on Jerry Springer. Buddy, what do you got? All right, so uh, yeah, as you alluded to at the beginning of the show, yeah, this was a very good episode. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, I knew we would because, you know, Jerry just holds a special place in all of our hearts for the time period that it really started catching on fire to how old we were and just that whole wave of everything changing on television at that time. You know, there wasn't a ton there that really made me think that he was an asshole. I mean, there was the adultery stuff on the front where he wrote the bad checks for the blowjobs. To get pegged by the hookers. Yeah, to get the three of them. Yeah, the three of them. But he had just been, uh, like, married, like, a year at that point. So, you know, we got some adultery. And it's funny. He got divorced in 1994. Mm-hmm. Which was like right before he took off. Oh, wow. he, he, was probably, he was probably he already wealthy. Paid. Yeah, he was probably <laughs> wealthy, but he got paid, paid. Yeah, he was that. talking about like six million dollar years, yeah, five million, million dollars. I'm surprised year. it wasn't more. Yeah, honestly, Rush Limbaugh had twenty million dollar years, and I mean, honestly, like Springer's audience was like bigger, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, contracts are different. So. Yeah, so. But, um, you know, so there's the adultery, there's, you know, there's talks of exploitation of guests. But to me, I kind of feel like the guests that were coming on that show knew what they were signing up for. You know, there's that one incident where we have the one person that ended up like killing yeah. his wife or, you know, accused mm-hmm. of allegedly killing his no, wife did, right after. Convicted of it. Yeah. yeah like right after the episode aired and stuff like that. But, you know. That's, that's one out of 5,000. But, so like, but even on top of that, that's like, you know, like, be careful what you wish for. Like, you were like, yeah, I want to go on to this show. It's going to be awesome. Can't you wait know? to get killed. You know, yeah. but it's Pandora's box, man. Be careful what you wish for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I don't really hold Jerry personally responsible for that. I didn't hear it that much that made me think that he was an asshole. So, you know, while he might have found something that really, you know, was taboo at the time and you know kind of um a big gamble he went with it and it paid off quite yeah, handsomely for him sure did absolutely so for me at the end of the day you know i'm not gonna ju- i'm gonna jump him up a little bit uh not a ton but i think at the end of the day I, i'm gonna put him up at about a 5.3 okay. i think that that's about a, a good spot for him i don't think he killed anybody or anything like that nope. so yeah end of the day 5.3 final right. asshole school 5.3 sure. for buddy mikey final thoughts 
yet for me, I think the biggest problem I have with him is that he obviously sold out his integrity for this is not what he wanted to ever do. Of course, especially uh, when you look at his early aspirations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he really wanted, like I said, he's working with like Bobby Kennedy's, you know, whatever. He, yeah. Okay. So he's getting prostitutes with a newlywed wife. That's really well, we talked not about it. the banking hours at the time weren't conducive. They weren't sure. not having cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. your <laughs> options were limited. You have infidelity. You have, you have, you have infidelity. There was no Venmo. Yeah, man. what the fuck? You have infidelity, and then you also have uh, infidelity with random prostitutes that you're writing <laughs> checks to, which uh, I think is objectively not great, but also him sort of selling himself out and making a buck off of it. And I think it killed him inside a little bit. I, I know he's tried recently to like come back and have like a show on something like MSNBC or something like that, where he was trying to actually get back and be like, Hey, no, no, no. I know you guys know me as like the guy with the fucking little people that like fist fight over chocolate cake or whatever. But, um, I want to talk about real politics cause this is what <laughs> interests me. He kind of went from New York times to like the sun and the gazelle. And yeah, now he's yeah, trying yeah. to go back to yeah, the uh-huh. New York times. The fucking sun paid so much better. Didn't it? Didn't it? <laughs> But yeah, as far as like uh, him being the catalyst for America falling apart is total fucking horseshit. It's ridiculous. It was already there. He rode the wave. That's what he did. He rode the wave. He rode a wave uh, and made a ton of money off of it. I'm not going to bump him up too much. Uh, just a, just a, just a touch. 5.25. Done. All right. 5.25 for Mikey. Randy, what you got? All right. So. I enjoyed writing this. I knew a lot about Jerry Springer kind of going into it. I didn't know a lot about his childhood. I thought that was pretty interesting. The whole yeah, being agree. born in England, you know, during, during the bombing II. raids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that was, uh, that was pretty interesting to me. Yeah. When you originally said London and 44, I was like, Ew, yeah, oh, yeah not good. the place yeah. to be. Yeah. Not a good time. But you know, you have the dirt over the years and like, I, I kind of alluded to it. 27 seasons and 5,000 episodes. Were they ridiculous as fuck? Yeah. But was there like any real harm done? And eh, not really. Very negligible. Especially when wise. you look at like the the Oprah's and the Dr. Oz's and stuff sure. like that. I when agree. you like, yeah. you know. But it definitely does. Like I said, I went to a taping, I watched it. Um it's scripted. It's Absolute fake. Theater. Um all TV is. All TV. I know. It really did kind of take it away for me a little bit, but He's a smart guy, and he, he definitely, you you said it well, Mike, he kind of, I think, has died a little bit inside, knowing this is what I've kind of relegated myself to, but damn, yeah. it has paid the bills well, and it's made him a known commodity. Yeah. I he mean, wipes his tears with $100 bills. That's exactly right. Yep. That's exactly right. And I, yeah, Jerry does hold a, a special place in my heart. I'm going to hold him right where I had him to start the show at a 5.1. Okay. All right. With a 5.3 from Buddy. A 5.25 from Mikey, and a 5.1 from Randy. Jerry Springer's final asshole score is a 5.22. 5.22, interesting company. Just below Dr. Oz at 5.25, and just above Tila Tequila at 5.1. Oh. So interesting how we've got our talk show host kind of bunched up. Oprah Winfrey came in at 4.75, Dr. Oz at 5.25, and now uh, uh, Jerry Springer at 5. Two one, 5.22. 5.22. Yeah, right. I feel like Oprah's done a little bit more damage. I know. So it's a little interesting. She's at the lower end of the scale when she's unleashed monsters upon us. But hey, our scores are not scientific. We're yeah, fucking idiots. not at all. We say it at the beginning of every episode. So that's uh, exactly right. You know. That's right. Oh, yeah. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Definitely check us out over on Patreon. It's P A T R E O N dot C O M slash A H C podcast. 
to find us. And remember that we absolutely love five-star score reviews, five-star reviews, and uh, that we would uh, actually start reading those on air a little bit. So yeah, yeah. I might have a little segment uh, you know, of that. Yeah, go ahead and incentivize that for you guys. And uh, thanks for all you guys that are putting those out there because it's oh, really yeah. super important to us. For sure. For yeah, sure. and we notice that we see y'all cranking them out, and uh, it really is the highlight of all of our days, just seeing that kind of stuff. It just... um. Yeah, really hits us. It massages yeah. our prostate. To That's say. exactly right. Very so, much so. Call to action. Give us some five star reviews. We'll shout you out on the show. Give you all our love. Be kind to one another. We'll see you next time on Asshole Court.